0: the city the the city bridge the city the city the the city the city
1: city welcome to Bridge the city a podcast recorded in the great American city of Milwaukee Wisconsin our mission is to bridge together people resources and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action and my name is Kyle Heggie. today we have a fantastic episode but I want to start off this podcast with one simple question and that is if you are listening right now and you haven't rated the podcast five stars i mean why, why do you hate bridges city so go tap the five star button or share the podcast with a friend and if you're not going to do those things then you have to promise us that you're going to complete one of the action steps that you hear on this fascinating episode that we have for you today and this episode is all about the menominee valley partners celebrating their 20th anniversary and then more generally about the transformation that the Menominee Valley has undergone in the past couple decades here in Milwaukee. So we have an all-star lineup today. We have Corey Zetz, who's the executive director of the Menominee Valley Partners. We have Sherry Schmidt, who's the Southeastern Region Deputy Director for Wisconsin Department of Transportation. We have Melissa Cook, who was the Hank Aaron State Trail Manager and Regional Trail Coordinator at Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, who also recently retired. So thank you, Melissa, for your service to our community and i think all of wisconsin is indebted to the work that you were able to accomplish at the dnr and finally we have katherine stegmer who's the manager of global social responsibility for komatsu and so again this episode will be all about the benignity valley partners they're celebrating their 20th anniversary and we wanted to look at the revitalization of the valley and there's just so many interesting lessons that you can pull out from this episode you're going to hear about how City government, state government, federal government, local, state, and federal grants all played a role in creating this transformation, the role that private philanthropy played, the role that community groups played, that private business plays, and overall I think our goal for this episode is threefold. One, an appreciation for the revitalization that we've seen in the Menominee Valley, and a really appreciation for the work that Menominee Valley Partners does. Two is to really understand all of the important players that you need, uh, collaborating and working together to get something like this done. And finally, to better understand how you can help facilitate transformational projects like this yourself, or you know how to use your own power as a citizen to help Milwaukee develop in the ways that you want it to. And we'll hear a lot of great action steps from our guests along those lines. So. Thanks for listening to Bridge City. Uh, we really hope you enjoy this episode and we're going to start off with Corey Zetz, who is the Executive Director of the Menominee Valley Partners.
2: My name is Corey Zetz and I'm the Executive Director of Menominee Valley Partners.
1: So this episode is all about the 20th anniversary of MVP and really the Menominee Valley as a whole. And so before we get into what MVP does, and more specifically, your role. Can you give us some brief history on the Menominee Valley?
2: Menominee means wild rice, good grain. It was a wild rice marsh where the Potawatomi and the other tribes who lived in southeast Wisconsin would come annually for the wild rice harvest. Hmm. Moving forward in history, in the mid-1800s, as Milwaukee was really growing and being settled, um, development happened around the marsh And eventually in it, the marsh itself was filled. Um, There's some pretty graphic and gruesome historical accounts of how it was filled. Mm. Um, We didn't have any environmental regulations back then. Uh, Then it became really the the seat of industry. So when Milwaukee was known as the machine shop of the world, the valley was its engine. And it made, you know, pretty much anything you think of as um, Milwaukee uh, from, you know, machine shops and um, fabricators, tanneries, breweries, uh, everything was down in the valley. But because of that industrial development, but also really because of the original filling of the marsh, the entire 20, 1,200 acre valley was classified by the DNR as a as a brownfield um, hmm. because of contamination.
1: And so you, you mentioned machine shop of the world and this was a really vibrant economic engine for the city. Um, so, why, in nineteen ninety nine does m v p kind of come online, and what was the objective of your
2: organization? Yeah. you know it's as the valley developed and was the machine shop, and the neighborhoods around it developed um there were fifty thousand people at least you know at at its prime who worked down in the valley, and most of them walked to work from the surrounding neighborhoods. but um really starting seventies. 80s, 90s, as um, manufacturers went out of business, or they moved away, they moved to the suburbs, they moved overseas. The valley was left with an incredible amount of vacant land, hundreds of acres of shuttered factories, um, vacant land. Um, really, by, by the 90s, what was left were a lot of rail yards, um, storage, outdoor storage, coal and salt storage, and um, vacant factories, with a few long-term holdouts who who had weathered the test of time. Neighborhoods around it were disproportionately hit by rises in unemployment, poverty. You know, the neighborhoods also had a disproportionate number, low, a disproportionately low number of parks per resident. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a lot of forces coming together at that time. The handful of businesses who remained were going to the city and saying something needs to happen here. We need a plan for this. Um, at the same time, the 16th street community health center, which is, a neighborhood based mostly on the south side community health center said the condition of the valley is actually a public health issue, Mm. which was really um, big and innovative for that time to think about that as a public health issue because residents they served were affected by unemployment, by lack of green spaces, that this was something that they were mobilizing around their residents to have a um, plan for the future of the valley. And at the same time, we were um, seeing a lot of stormwater overflows. Um, uh, You know, we see those pictures of Lake Michigan from, you know, from the 90s of after heavy rains and MMSD also got involved. And um, if we were really going to develop this, we could really think about doing that in a much smarter way than the valley. And a lot of the city was developed using green infrastructure, um, capturing stormwater, and really thinking about how to clean up um, areas around the river and restore some of the natural flows and, and protect water quality. So all of those forces were coming together. And in 1998, the city did a master land use plan for the valley that looked at really how to develop it, what were the priority sites, looking at infrastructure needs, creating public access to the river and then at the end the city recognized that this vision for the valley was larger than the city itself could take on so one of the recommendations of that plan was creating a public private partnership to implement the plan and that was the foundation of menominee valley partner so we were actually born out of this um, master plan for the valley and the public private partnership created to implement it
1: that's very fascinating um so again we're celebrating the 20th anniversary now of mvp can you highlight some of the transformational or catalytic projects that MVP has seen and, and you've seen in your 15 years here that really have transformed the valley?
2: Some of the really visible ones. I'd say the, the biggest is the west end of the valley, um, just immediately east of Miller Park. It was the old Milwaukee Road Roadshop site. In the early 2000s, that was about 120 acres of vacant buildings that had been really abandoned since 86. Um, so today, that's the Menominee Valley Industrial Center that has 10 companies, over 1,400 family-supporting jobs, a really innovative stormwater treatment system. So it captures every drop of rain that falls on the buildings or the roads and captures it in um, what is kind of an engineered wetland that, um, with native plants, holds that first flush of rainwater and gradually filters out any contaminants that come from the roadway until it makes its way to the river. And also, part of that project is Three Bridges Park, which, um, you know, 10 years ago was an abandoned rail yard. And now it's a park with. Um, recreated glacial topography. Uh, that's actually a lot of Marquette interchange <laughs> underneath it, um, big piles, but it was shaped to look like the glacial features that were originally around this area. Um, so today there are about 50,000 people using that park that, you know, 10 years ago, exactly zero people <laughs> were on that land. Um, And then there's, you know, scattered throughout. There are over 50 businesses who've moved into the valley since 1999. Probably one of the most visible from around town is the Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino, the Harley-Davidson Museum, and then sections all along the valley that have bits of um, public access to the Menominee River. Uh, behind Harley, behind Sigma, behind Marquette Fields and the city yards where you can get to the river. So um, those are some of the probably more visible things that you would see going down to the valley any day.
1: So I know one of the goals was to develop this uh, area both economically, ecologically, geographically, and equitably. Mm -hmm. So reflecting on 20 years, which one do you think you've really Hit on, and which one do you think there's room for improvement of those four categories? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. Um, I'd say probably strongest we've been on economic. Um, you know, with over 50 new companies and more than 5,200 jobs, and those are family family supporting jobs. We have criteria for wages. They've been really great jobs coming back to the city and the return on tax base um, mm-hmm. from uh, what was in the valley. Uh, Twenty years ago to today, it's huge. The economics is strong. Um, we're also making good progress on the environmental, um, with Three Bridges Park, the stormwater capture, you know, the water quality. You see it and right now with the Urban Ecology Center. There, they have kids going and sampling for macroinvertebrates and looking at indicator mm-hmm. species, and we can see those changes. And um, you know, there are other partners like. Um, the Milwaukee Riverkeeper and MMSD who are testing and always monitoring water quality. And we see improvements there. Um, but I'd say where we have the most, um, room still to still to go is on the equitable side. Um, the, the hope and maybe the naive assumption was that if we brought businesses back to the Valley, that those would, which were close to people, um, some of the densest neighborhoods in in the state and um, where there's a lot of unemployment and underemployment. So if businesses came back, people could walk to work and there are some really great exceptions to that. But the rule is that mostly those jobs are not going to residents of the surrounding mm. neighborhoods. There are a handful of companies who do really recruit, but, um, I think we had hoped to see more impact from the Valley's development on the immediately adjacent neighborhoods. And so that's really where we're trying to focus now.
1: Right. And yeah, I think that's an issue that is affecting the city as a whole and cities across the country. And I, I don't think you can tackle it without strong partnerships and, and being self-aware. So um, I appreciate the, the honesty there. So I know MVP has been uh, heralded as a national model for economic development and environmental sustainability. And when I hear the word model, I think that's something that others can learn from, others can apply to their own situation. So knowing what you know about MVP and, you know, being an urban planner and having so much experience doing this, if, if another city was to come to you and say, hey, we love what you're doing, we want to do it here, is this something that, is there a blueprint that someone can pick up and apply to their place and it's going to work? Or is this something that is really unique to the valley and, and there were certain, you know, strengths and certain weaknesses that allowed this to thrive?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and we have been offset by a number of cities and a lot of cities have come in and which is great that Milwaukee gets seen as a model um, where we've really created an example of sustainable redevelopment in the heart of a city. So uh, it was about five years ago we commissioned the um, public policy forum. Well, now it's. Now it's the Wisconsin Policy Forum to really take a look at that for us to help us answer those questions. We thought it would be easier to have someone from the outside um, help understand that. And so they put together a report on what worked and why in the in the valley. Um, So some of those lessons learned were um, having a, a strong plan. And a roadmap for how to get there. So there were a lot of studies done on the valley. Um, you know, the master plan that I referred to earlier. And then a lot of different pieces leading, um, following from that. From, you know, what is a living wage from Milwaukee? Um, looking at a stormwater plan for the for the entire valley. A lot of different levels. But I think that one of the um, takeaways was the importance of of planning and then also you know making sure there was it wasn't just a plan on the shelf but how to get there um i'd say the biggest was uh, um tackling multiple goals at at the same time so the valley's approach is really holistic how do we look at economic development environmental restoration and and community and equity all at the same time and not separating them and so um I think through that we've both in terms of bringing in and leveraging various funding sources to bringing in partnerships like people from environmental and ecological organizations as well as economic development can be at the same table and see how projects can accomplish multiple goals. So not taking things in silos. One of them was – uh, taking leaps of faith and also the city and the community philanthropic sector being willing to take some risks. So when you looked at the valley 20 years ago and and then at the plan for what it could be, that was a huge leap of faith. Um, the city took a huge leap of faith in acquiring land Um, and making investments. The philanthropic community who originally supported MVP made a big leap of faith. But I think having all that support originally um, was important. And in other areas of our city and other communities, you you really need someone who's going to take that um, leap of faith and marshal resources and then convene and get people with a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think around the MVP table, we have people on all into the political spectrum with all kind of wearing hats of, you know, um, environmental or, you know, economic development, but who are all able to come together and to kind of look for at the larger goal. And so I think there, a lot of that is replicable, um, marshalling partners around a common vision. Yeah,
1: I think those are great lessons that other organizations can, can emulate mm-hmm. going forward. The last question, Bridge the City, it's all about action and inspiring people to action here in Milwaukee and so we're going to lean on some of your expertise and insight that you've gained by you know leading this kind of incredible organization so if I'm just an everyday resident and I want to connect with Milwaukee more I want to make an impact in my community what are what what is your go-to tangible action step that you would offer someone that wants to get more connected?
2: I always want people to come down to the valley. I think there are so many different ways to volunteer and get engaged and be part of the community um, from, you know, being part of the Hank Aaron State Trail. Um, you know, we we have – anyone can join us, do crew, help maintain it, and get others to, to own these community, um, community parks and trails um, from – going to the urban ecology center and we have all kinds of ways that you can get out and, um, experience it, um, the park space, but also to give back to, um, you know, be part of a nature hike to, to do a a weeding um, community planting day or, um, earth day cleanup in the Valley. And then right now, um, like just fun events we have, we have a valley bingo as part of our 20th anniversary celebration that just invites people to come down and explore. So um, the things you can do are, you know, include like visiting businesses, but also stopping by the our um, two 1100 gallon rain barrels and learning about why we disconnect downspouts and how we use rainwater, or learning about native plants. And that's one of the one of the um, bingo stops to learn about that learn about recycling at the recycling facility um and learn about the history of milwaukee at the milwaukee road um, monument that's being installed right now so i think the bingo is really designed to get people not only just to go out and you know have a beer or a pizza but to learn about the history of the valley and different ways that they can be part of um, continuing its its evolving success
1: So Corey just gave us a great overview of MVP and a little bit of history of the revitalization. And so the next three guests, we kind of wanted to dive into a specific element of the revitalization and give you all a little more insight on different elements that go into such a revitalization. So you're about to hear from again, Sherry Schmidt. She is the Southeastern Region Deputy Director for Wisconsin Department of Transportation followed by Melissa Cook, who manages the Hank Aaron State Trail. And then we will end the episode with Catherine Stegmer, who is the manager of Global Social Responsibility for Komatsu. Equally as amazing guests, enjoy.
3: My name is Sherry Schmidt, and I'm with the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, our Southeast region. And I'm the Southeast region deputy director.
1: Just to situate our listeners with what the Wisconsin Department of Transportation is and, and how that operates. Could you just give a little insight into that?
3: Well, and I'll be more specific with my role. Uh, I mentioned I'm the Southeast Region Deputy Director. We cover seven counties in the Southeast Region. We plan, we design, and we build and operate the highways and bridges and basically all the transportation in southeastern Wisconsin under under my purview and. My role with the Menominee Valley Partners, I had represented the secretary's office early on, this is more than 10 years ago, sitting for them because they were in Madison, typically. And it was an opportunity for us to see how we could help support the revitalization of the Menominee Valley. We have many local and state improvement programs And some of the local programs, one specifically is our CMAC or Congestion Management Air Quality. And local units of government, local sponsors can apply for some of the funding. And so the DNR was a local sponsor in applying for CMAC projects as it related to the Hank Aaron State Trail. And so through these local programs, we have helped to provide funding to the construction of the Valley Passages, Three Bridges Park, and and some of the other the connection to the Sixth Street Viaduct, to the Hank Aaron State Trail, things like that.
1: Right, wonderful. And we were talking uh, before we went live here about your thirty coming up on thirty five years yes. with the department. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm curious. You know, you've been around for then essentially the entire length of time that MVP has been around they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. So what have you seen just in the transformation and the revitalization of that area? You know, what are some key uh, projects you're really proud of or key takeaways?
3: First of all, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of it for about 12 years um, almost 10 years, I believe as a board member. And what has always amazed me about this, first of all, Menominee Valley partners is, um, the energy and the commitment to doing good things in the Menominee Valley to ultimately revitalize the Menominee Valley and how the board members have been able to come to the table with their own vision for their private entities and public um, from my perspective, but then to be able to reach and to commit to that common vision to be able to do great things. And I'm always amazed when I go to a Omni Valley partner board, member, board meeting um, how energized the group is and how um, they don't rest on laurels of the past. It's always, and how can we move forward?
1: I think when people think of the Valley or just like revitalization efforts in general, we picture like, oh, a, a new business moved in and it brought all these jobs, that's awesome. Or, you know, some uh, nonprofits move their headquarters down there and are really working with the community. Mm-hmm. And I often don't think of like the public infrastructure that is necessary mm-hmm. to move people mm-hmm. in and out of a place. So how do you view your role in the, in the Department of Transportation's role in kind of facilitating this revitalization?
3: Well, I, I would say that we had a small, I've had a small part, but transportation has, has, a, has had a very large role, and it goes beyond the CMAC projects that I spoke about earlier. Sixth Street Viaduct, many, many years ago, was a viaduct. There was no east access to the Menominee Valley. On the west end, Canal Street didn't, really didn't go very far west, west of, of 16th. The 6th Street Viaduct project that was a city project but federally funded, so the Department of Transportation oversaw that design-build project, where it brought 6th Street down to Canal Street, and it provided that east access into the Menominee Valley. That served as one of the catalysts, I believe, for the success of the, the revitalization. Then, tied with the Marquette Interchange project, Canal Street served as a mitigation route to divert traffic. And so we were able to extend Canal Street to the west. And now, as you know, it goes to Miller Park. So you've got great east and west access now. In addition, a lot of the excess material from the Marquette Interchange was moved into the valley. And those stockpiles of material or that material then has come to... Um, Become Three Bridges Park. We, we were able to use that material then in building Three Bridges Park. Yeah,
1: and, and so many people we've interviewed have brought that point up. I think it's yeah. really fascinating. But you know overall your point it's it's really refreshing and has changed my perspective on like viewing revitalization efforts. It's not all about just the area mm-hmm. that's being revitalized. It's about how do people move in and out of those spaces. Right. Having access was catalytic. You can mm-hmm. have all these great amenities but if people can't access them Nothing's going to change, so right. um, it's a good perspective to keep in mind. And so, you mentioned um, obviously you've been intimately connected with this project. You were on, are still on the board. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, what's been your most fun memory or experience uh, in this whole project? Uh,
3: many years ago, when Laura Bray was the executive director, um, Laura and Corey Zadz came out to our office. At that time, again, I was more sitting in for our uh, secretary's office representative and when they started talking about what they were what what the vision was I mean from a Department of Transportation it was very atypical and the kinds of things they were talking about weren't were not things that we you know typically jumped into and so that's kind of a fun memory when you know I went back to my office thinking oh my gosh what What are we, what are we doing? But, but then it was, okay, how can we do, how can we work, how can we work together? And so that's a really fun, um, to me, that was transformational for the department of transportation as well. I mean, even in, in building, um, some of the the riverbanks and the parts of the, um, three bridges park, the, the, contractors working on those kinds of projects are different than the contractors building bridges building significant um, transportation improvement projects the the special provisions that are required for the for the different kinds of grading you know it's it was just Mm -hmm. we we had to challenge ourselves internally not only in our southeast region but in our provisions area in our in our central office, in our policies area. And and so we were able to stretch ourselves, which makes me very proud
4: I'm Melissa Cook. I'm the manager of the Hank Aaron State Trail working for Wisconsin State Park System and the Department of Natural Resources.
1: This podcast is focused on the twentieth anniversary of the Menominee Valley and Obviously, the Hank Aaron State Trail has been a a major part of that transformation. You were showing us some photos here earlier of what the trail used to look like and what it looks like almost to today. Can you walk us through the process it took to get the trail in the valley?
4: It probably wouldn't have happened except that we had somebody by the name of John Norquist, who ironically was the state senator for the Story Hill area and that area that covered the stadium. When uh, the railroad went bankrupt in the mid 80s, they really left a huge 160 acre parcel with buildings that uh, were 100 years old, some of them, and it looked really bad. And as John Norquist was accustomed to doing, he made grandiose statements, and he, he was really a visionary. And that land had sat there for a long time without anything happening to it, and he started to say things like, "We should should do something with this land, you know. This is 160 acres that people see when they come into Milwaukee on the freeway, and it looks like you know bombed out Europe." And so he said, "We should make something. We should we should make a park. We should make a park, and we should call it Henry Aaron State Park because everybody li- loves Henry Aaron." And, you know, at the time, I think people looked at that property and they said, a park that just didn't make any sense. What he was saying is we can transform this horrible looking area into something spectacular. And so John Norquist kind of reached for the stars and said, we're going to make it into a park. Well, the state park system, you know, maybe didn't get that real clearly at the time, And you saw what the pictures looked like. There were steel sheet piling walls along the river. Uh, There was a lot of grossly deteriorated land, land that was contaminated. And so um, if you take that and then you say the vision is a park, um, there's a lot that falls in between. And so the, the state did start looking at that. And we started going out to neighborhoods and finding out what people were thinking about At the same time, the city of Milwaukee, John Norquist became mayor. And so the city was looking at making some other other changes there. I think a good place to start is always the river. You have water going Mm -hmm. through an area. Even though you saw in the pictures it didn't look very inviting, you have water and that means life. And people are naturally attracted to water. So what we started looking at was, well, maybe instead of making this a park, maybe we could make it a trail and we heard that from people in the adjacent neighborhoods that they wanted a place to take their children to that they could bike safely off the road and having it near a river well that was just that was a bonus because then you had something to look at but then as the DNR did the feasibility studies for this when you have a river when you have any kind of water um, you want to make improvements to the vegetation that's around that, so that you're limiting the types of runoff, you know pollutants that can go into the waterway. And DNR was already doing fish studies in this area. they knew what was there. They knew there was some potential that if this uh, water quality could be improved, we could make great improvements in the fishery. And believe it or not, even in that canyon of steel, people were fishing for salmon because the salmon that had been put into Lake Michigan, were going up the the river in, in fall. So there there was a starting place there. And uh, at the same time, they were talking about building a new stadium. Uh, when when that started to ramp up, it kind of made sense to put a trail in that area. The, the name Henry Aaron, his request was to change it to Hank Aaron because he felt he was known more by the public by the name Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, that all started to fall into place when you have a trail that's right next to the stadium. So uh, that little first third of a mile was built at the same time the stadium was built. And we had this one third of a mile trail and people used to call me from places all over the country and they'd want to come ride the Hank Aaron State Trail. And it was with some level of embarrassment that I would tell them, well, you can come here, but it's only a third of a mile. So other pieces started to come together with other projects that were were being done. At the same time, Uh, Mayor Norquist had a Uh, segment between 13th and 25th and Canal built along the river um, very, very early in this process. But then we had a mile and a third of a mile separated by nothing that you could make the connection to. So it really wasn't until the city of Milwaukee extended Canal Street. A lot of people don't know Canal Street stopped at 25th Street. Where that roundabout is, that was the end and oh. the rest of it going I, I west. That, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's hard to think about. But but there was nothing you could get to west of there because it turned into the rail yard, Falk Corporation in the rail yard. So um, once the city extended in, I think it was 2006, it extended Canal Street through all the way, it really opened up the possibilities. And, and really the city is to be commended on this because they took the lead in saying, that old railroad property, we can make something better of that. And that was the huge transformation that allowed us then to put all the pieces together and make the connections for the Hank Aaron State Trail.
0: That's interesting. One theme on Bridges City throughout our time uh, interviewing and creating podcasts has been about the relationship between the city of Milwaukee and the state. And it sounds like in this case, it was kind of a, a, a positive partnership between the role the city played in expanding uh, the access to the trailer the trail itself and then the state in its ownership in some ways over the state trail itself right so is that a was that generally a positive relationship or did it
4: you know it ended up being a positive relationship but initially i you know i you remind me of this and i don't think of this too often we had some some rocky times because the city wanted the state to build the trail and the state really thought that uh, the model that they had been uh, moving towards was building a partnership generally with the county. And when we have rail abandonments across the state, the state generally would buy that corridor and then look to the county to do the development and management of it. And so this was starting to diverge from that model, uh, which was something financially necessary for us to to really follow. And so there was a lot of back and forth in terms of who was gonna do what. I would say we were incredibly lucky that the congestion mitigation and air quality grants were available to those of us who are in this part of the state. And I think we've had six grants so far that have funded uh, the Hank Aaron State Trail.
0: And those are state grants or federal? Those are federal grants. So now we're looking at a real case of federalism right in action in that you have the federal government providing some funding, the state taking care of the, the, the trail aspect through the DNR, uh, the city coming together to build parts of the trail. I, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. That's a, it's a good case study.
4: It, it is a good case study because it's a case study of success. Yeah. When you have all entities, that means federal, state, county, and city, and private sector, sit down and say, this is something that will bring value, tremendous value, whether that's tax dollars, or environmental improvements, or recreation, or health to the full community, everybody should get involved, you know, isn't that what we want for our country, for our state, for our city, and so when everybody was at the table, putting in what they could, I think that made this a success.
1: Do you have a tangible action step that you would recommend people take? It doesn't need to be specific to the trail to get more involved in uh, Milwaukee or their community.
4: I think well, you know one thing is you can get very involved in your community but understanding uh, who the decision makers are. Uh, sometimes that takes a little bit more work on the part of the individual. Sometimes it could be as easy as picking up uh, the phone and calling the elected official that you know you know is yours. And asking them that question um, because it's not always real obvious who who has the, the, the power right. to make change. Um, but it is just incredibly imperative that people understand they do have that power. Um, you start as an individual, but there are individuals who think the same thing. And um, today with social media, that's the one tremendous advantage of social media is you can find out very easily who thinks the same way. It's not like you sit in the corner of your house and wonder if there's anybody else out there. Um, All that's accessible to you. And um, people need to understand, they need to do more of this, not just parks and recreation, but every aspect of their life so that they can make sure that the elected officials hear them. We don't, as individuals, uh, have money to compete with You know mega corporations or or the wealthiest people out there. But we are in a democracy and our voice is heard and our vote is counted.
5: My name is Kathy Stegmer. I'm the Social Responsibility Manager at Komatsu.
1: Just to start us off, could you give a little history of uh, Komatsu's role with MVP?
5: Sure, um, we have been supporting MVP for numerous years. I've been with Komatsu for nine years and I know it's been longer than that. Um, and while we're not technically in the Valley, we definitely have a vested interest in what goes on here. Um, it's the neighborhood and area that surrounds us. And so I think we got involved just recognizing that the as the Valley improves, our neighborhood improves as well.
1: And so you said you've been here for nine years. Mm-hmm. So you've actually seen a, a, a good amount of momentum happen in the Valley. Um, we were looking at old photos of what it looked like, you know, 20 years ago. And it, it truly is remarkable, the transformation that's happened. So I'm just curious from Kamatsu's perspective, like, what does that transformation look like? And how has it helped, you know, the company and the community? Sure.
5: Um And I'll add, my experience goes back even farther because I was a student at Marquette when Valley Fields um, came into fruition. And I remember even then being like, why are they putting soccer fields there? (laughs) Um, And so now as a professional, um, and then looking at the Valley in a different lens, it is kind of even more interesting to see the transformation. And as you said, even just in nine years, um, how different the Valley has become. And I think for our perspective at Komatsu and for employees, it's um, the energy that goes on in the valley, and that it is a more welcome place to frequent. Um, there's a ton of recreation that goes on in the valley. We have employees that use the Hank Aaron State Trail, and the valley is kind of their walking space for lunch. Um, the past two years, we've had um, a co-ed soccer team playing against Valley teams that has been really exciting and actually opened our eyes to the interest in soccer just amongst our employees. Yeah. So they then have continued on, not only during the summer league, but gone on to find fall leagues and continue that kind of building of camaraderie and um, sense of kind of team spirit, I think that that also makes it, um, helps enhance kind of that sense of pride of where you're going to work when Mm -hmm. you see it surrounded by good things happening that, um, you know, you're happy to go to work, you see a lot of good things happening surrounding you. And... um, People are always excited when they hear about new things that MVP is working on to enhance the Valley and new businesses that have come in, um, lots of collaboration amongst those businesses.
1: When we were going back and forth on email, you talked about um, Komatsu MVP and students Mm -hmm. and what you're doing in that space. Can you elaborate on that?
5: Yeah, I think... Um, MVP, as an organization in general, has also transformed not just the space of the Valley, but as an organization and how they serve those of us in the Valley. And so one of the big things that they have done is work on workforce development and encouraging the next generation to want to pursue careers in the Valley. Um, The Valley is still very much manufacturing-based maybe in different ways compared to what it was in the past but introducing students that live around and go to school around the valley to help them understand these jobs and careers are right in your backyard so we've participated in a couple different activities that they've coordinated Um, coming up as part of valley week we have a career discovery day where students from local schools will come in and learn from different companies we'll have panel discussions with experts in their field um, and people from all different parts of their career, you know, long time individuals who've worked decades to new hires and so forth, kind of explaining what those careers are. We've also participated in their Women in STEM Career Days to where we're focusing specifically on young women in high schools and introducing them to STEM careers and showcasing women mentors from the companies in the Valley and i think those experiences have been um extremely valuable and i know um we do a lot of that alone on our own within our company but it's nice to bring together all of the companies together it not only um educates the next generation but provides employees a chance to network with other people and Mm -hmm. share kind of what challenges or opportunities they're facing, um, share best practices with each other. Also from like the women in STEM perspective to see and meet other women in similar roles. And so there's a benefit not only to the students but also to us to participate in those things.
1: I love that. And so I want to go back to something you said earlier and how Komatsu is not technically in the Valley but, you know, neighbors with the Mm -hmm. Valley. And I think that's a really key point Um, I think when there's projects like the Menominee Valley revitalization, sometimes businesses can say, one, we're not in there, so we Mm -hmm. don't care. Or, you know, we're a business. What's our role? So what do you view as just the role of businesses, you know, Komatsu, but business in general in kind of spearheading and helping guide some of these revitalization efforts
5: investing in our local communities has been a priority not only for us when we were pnh but also for kamatsu for both companies or both entities since the beginning leaders invested in the community and so that's really um, a priority that carries through with us i think we you know view that as our role as being good neighbors and making the communities in which we operate you know ones that thrive and are safe and stable and vibrant um and so playing a role in that is important to us and i think from the valley perspective i think we definitely recognize that there are resources there again that our employees want to use um as part of the reason we got involved in the from the ground up project that the valley spearheaded bringing the urban ecology center to our neighborhood which we were Um, sponsors of before they came here and then it was great to bring them here Um, and then also the development of Three Bridges Park. Um, It's great to be part of a project that you know kind of returns nature to the city and I know for me personally I serve on the advisory um, council for the UEC and I feel like I get updates of a new species of wildlife that has <laughs> returned and this bird was spotted and we saw this, which I just think is really cool to be part of. Yeah. Um, and then, again, for our employees to be able to take advantage of and enjoy those resources within their own neighborhood that they're you know, coming to every day mm-hmm. is a bonus for that. Yeah. But it's really been a priority for us from the beginning.
1: So yourself is obviously a very involved individual Um, your role about, you know, kind of social responsibility, uh, your work with MVP. Do you have a a tangible action step or a, a piece of advice you would offer someone looking to get more connected in Milwaukee?
5: In Milwaukee overall, I think just get to know your neighborhoods, get to know where you're living, Try to get more informed about what's going on in your own community, your own neighborhood, understanding local government, right. um, looking to where you can volunteer. When I think about the valley, um, we have a stew crew that picks up trash along the entrance points to the Hank Aaron State Trail. Mm. Um, I know the trail would welcome additional <laughs> stew crews <laughs> right. to pick up trash along the trail. The trail's kept very neat and clean, but um, Melissa <laughs> Cook, I'm sure, would appreciate right. additional help with that. So you know. If you have a Boy Scout troop or Girl Scout troop that wants to come out and volunteer, employees volunteer to keep it clean. Three Bridges Park always has an environmental day to clean up um, the park and then a day to do plantings in the park. So just getting involved in small ways like that. Um, And also coming to explore the valley. If you're someone listening to this podcast and you've never been to the valley or it's been a long time um come and check it out and see all that there is to offer i think there's dining there's tons of outdoor recreation experiences and great the great trails and things um so lots of things to check out in the valley and right. it's a great vibrant place to visit Yeah.
1: so thanks for listening to this episode of bridge the city We hope that you learned a lot about the role that MVP plays in our community and also, in general, a lot about the revitalization of the Menominee River Valley. Just a heads up that it currently is Valley Week. That's from September 21 through September 28. Uh, They have 13 different events planned during this week. Um, We're right in the heart of it, so definitely go check out all these events and what you can do during Valley Week on MVP's website. That's thevalleymke.org. Again, if you have not already, please rate, review, and subscribe to Bridge the City. This helps other people find the podcast and then hopefully connect with action steps that helps make Milwaukee a much more equitable place. And as always, thanks for helping Bridge the City.
0: Bridge the City. Well-